My Mom's Podcast is brought to you by Cure International. Cure heals kids. And then they tell them about Jesus. Find out more at my mom's website. Come to lifewithlisawilliams.com. This is this, this is this is life. 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 This is life with Lisa Williams. If you listen closely, you might hear the wind. It's one of those very windy Denver days where the wind is blowing in, it's howling, it almost knocks you down, or it feels like it's going to knock you down when you go outside. And every once in a while, if you listen closely, you'll hear a big gust of it hitting where I live. Today is kind of a symbolic day because the wind always means something to me. Like it reminds me of Acts chapter two, when like a mighty rushing wind, the Holy Spirit came. I love that. I love all of that. And um, it's also a big day for me because there has been a tree in my backyard that has been dead for over a year. Um, it needed to be taken out, and we'd gotten some quotes, and then I got busy, and so it was just dead through the summer. And for someone like me who loves beauty and who sees things as symbolic, it was very difficult for me to have a dead tree in the backyard. Um, and so today, it finally got removed, and as they were cutting down that dead tree, and my children were weeping hysterically because... They love that tree. That tree's always been there. And why didn't I check with them first before I had that tree removed? (laughs) I was holding both of them, telling them, this is the way life is. Things die. They don't bear fruit. They don't have green leaves. And so they are removed. But we can plant a new tree and it will be alive. And that comforted them. Plus, I let them have a ton of Valentine's Day candy. That promise of a new tree and a bunch of candy calmed my children down on this President's Day as they are home from school. And so (laughs) the symbolism of the mighty rushing wind hitting my house and the dead tree being removed is not lost on me. Um, God and I have our own thing going when it comes to almost everything meaning something to me. I see God in everything. I see divinity in everything. (laughs) And because he knows that I see that, he really speaks to me through everything. And so I have had an experience in my life where something in my life was dead. I mean, there there was no life left. It was dead. And it was a difficult thing for me to walk through with something that was alive being dead. You know, I speak metaphorically about something, not a literal person being dead, but just something in my life. And then there was a suddenly that happened at the end of 2015, where this thing that was dead suddenly had, wait, are those buds? I feel like there's buds on this thing, and then it bloomed. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, that was dead. <laughs> and And so that dead tree being removed is so symbolic to me saying, yes, that dead thing is gone and now there is life where there was death. He can bring things to life. He can uh, redeem a situation. And more than that, he can make something dead come to life because he is God and there's really nothing impossible for him. And so that's just a word of encouragement for you if you are facing something in your life that looks dead, whether it's a relationship or a dream or a job, 
or whatever that thing is, it's like dead, but you ache for it to be different. Remember, God resurrects things. And so just be encouraged. I know that that was for somebody. Um, But that's really not what I wanted to talk about today. Um, That's just what's happening in the moment, the wind and the dead tree, (laughs) and just thinking about all that symbolism. Um, I was reading in Isaiah today, in Isaiah 51, just read that out loud because I was deeply encouraged by my friend Julie Thomas from Women Who Believe. This morning, she sent out an email that stirred me up about spending time with God and in the Word, and I haven't done that in a couple of weeks because I get busy, and in my busyness and in my skill set and in my gifts, I can just run and run and do and do and give and give and love it completely. It's almost like an addiction where I love working in my emails and working in Facebook and working... Um, to take care of this and that and this other thing. And, oh, here's a project over here. My improv group is having a show. And, oh, wait, over here, I'm working on creating this thing. And, oh, wait, I'm going to work on creating this thing over here. And I've got all these things going on. And it makes me feel happy because something about my DNA requires a lot going on all the time. And I can get caught up in that and I forget to take care of myself. I stop exercising. And then I stop spending time in God's presence. It's ludicrous because I can't go on. I have a history of burning out. um, And I don't want to burn out anymore. And the only way I'm going to make it is to uh, put my life into the source of God. But then I don't do it. It's ludicrous. So I had an open, very intense conversation with producer Melanie just the these are my faults and these are my needs and these are my issues and you know we just talked together and worked again on creating a space and a schedule that allows me to take care of myself don't you want to be in your 90s and be vibrant don't you want to be healthy mentally and physically and your soul pulsating with god you know i don't want to waste away i want to burn brightly i have this <laughs> funny uh, vision for the end of my life. I always say I just want to be holding an orphan in a Haitian uh, orphanage. I want to be like 98. <laughs> and I want to be feeding an orphan, holding a child. And then I say, someone take this baby because I'm leaving. And I hand the baby and then I just tip over like, I'm out. Hello, heaven. Here I come. You know, I don't want to be I don't want to waste away. I want to burn to the end. And the only way to do that is going to be proper self-care. That's what my friend Lisa Kyle is always telling me. She has named it self-care. And that includes exercising almost every day, eating things that I know are good for me, and most importantly, waiting on the Lord in his presence every day, waiting on him. And it's the best place. That's the thing that gets you, right? It's the best thing. And it's the thing that will go, well, we'll just relegate that to the end of the list because we've got all these other things that we need to do. And the thing that keeps you alive, the thing that fills you up, the God who created the heavens and stirs up the seas and made you and the one who is all love and he sees and knows and that's the one we say, we'll get to you in a few minutes. It's absurd but it is my tendency. And so pray for me and know that I struggle with this and I want that to change. I want to surround myself with incredible accountability, which I have. 
I press on, press on with me. I don't want to go alone. I want to go to the deeper space. I want to know God. I want to know him intimately and I want others to know him. I want to be healed in my soul. I want my soul to be constantly in motion in becoming more vibrantly healthy, not tangled up with unforgiveness and shame and worthlessness, but no, 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 let's, let's get healed in those areas and then we press on so that we can lead others into the Holy of Holies to know him, to know Christ, to know freedom, to be restored, to be uh, resurrected, lives resurrected, Dreams resurrected, marriages resurrected, that which was dead brought back to life. That's what my God does. But how do I get that message out to other people when I am stymied in my own blah, 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 bitterness, unforgiveness, what a mess, got to move on, (laughs) got to move on, got to go higher, got to go deeper. I've got to, but I can't if I don't do proper self-care. So come with me. Let's take care of our bodies so our bodies will stick around as long as possible. Let's be prepared for a healthy future, but let's live today in his power and his presence. Amen, amen. I'm preaching to myself, but I sure hope it resonates with you. Amen. But none of that is what I wanted to say today. <laughs> let's get to what I wanted to say today, um, which is about love. You know, Valentine's Day just happened. Love is in the air. Everyone's thinking about love. God is love. We think about Bible verses of love. We think about Jesus being the full expression of love. We feel, um, you know, empathy towards those we know who perhaps ache to have a love here on earth, and this is not the season for that for them, and we feel pain or relationships that have gone bad or who knows what might be the thing that makes you feel pain because of Valentine's Day. We've got all that going on, right? Thinking about this, thinking about that, and then this idea comes to me about what truly motivates us. And bottom line answer, we're going to land on love, right? But before we get there, Um, I had a conversation recently with someone. It was a long conversation. And perhaps sometimes you have these conversations where while the conversation is going on, after a few minutes, your brain kind of unhooks from the conversation. Your face keeps nodding. (laughs) You look like you're still there. But your brain goes somewhere else and begins to analyze the conversation. That happened to me recently where I'm thinking about what's being said to me. And my brain is thinking, wow. Wow, okay, I have to weigh these words heavily. And I began to ask myself, what is motivating this person? What is the motivation? And then the conversation ended and I walked away. And that question was resonating inside of me. What motivates that person? But there's a switch inside me that flips pretty fast whenever I feel like I'm judging or pointing a finger and this thank you God for this switch that always flips inside and says, what motivates you, Lisa? Let's start there. Let's not think about what might be motivating that person. What motivates you? At my core, I'm going to make this about me for a few minutes and then I'm going to make it about you. But at my core, I have to ask myself, what motivates me? Why am I doing this podcast? Why am I doing a daily radio show now? Why? Why? Why am I always creating new things? What is motivating me? What motivates me? 
I'll tell you a little story about this funny thing that happened between me and God a few years back. It was probably 2010. It when I was doing the Caleb Morning Show. And I was really tired one weekend and I had stayed home from church and I was by myself at home and I was in my closet and I was folding clothes and I was fussing at the Lord or I was fussing in front of the Lord. And I was telling him how frustrated I was with myself because I was 30 pounds overweight. And I was saying, what, what is wrong with me? Like, I know how to lose weight. I know how to exercise. My body responds well to exercise and eating a healthy amount. And yet I don't. I don't do the right thing. And I don't eat the right things. And I'm sedentary and I'm stressed all the time. And I eat for comfort. And I know what's right, God. But I don't do what's right. And I'm tired of having this closet full of clothes. <laughs> Does anybody else ever talk? to God this way. I'm just tired of having this closet full of clothes, cute clothes. They're all size 10s. I'm a 12. I'm a 14 almost. And I can't wear any of my clothes. And I refuse to buy new clothes because I don't want to give in. And I want to go back to my old clothes. And yet I just am stuck and I'm frustrated. And then I said it out loud, what motivates me? And then I stopped because I heard the question. And I turned totally towards God. And I said, what motivates me? God, I, I can't seem to get motivated. So here's the question. What motivates me? What would be true motivation to get me to lose 30 pounds? And this is what I heard. The first word I heard was money. <laughs> and I laughed just like that. And I said, well, that's true. I get up in the morning and go to work many mornings when I'm exhausted because we need that paycheck. And I am motivated by money because money pays the bills and a lot of us work because we feel called. But at the same time, thank you, God, for providing for my family. And then I said, what else? And I heard competition. And I laughed again because I am so competitive. But over the past few years, I've worked to push that competitiveness into majorly one place. I compete with myself. You know, I don't want to compete with other people. It feels like a waste of time and it feels ugly to me to compete with other people. So I compete with myself. Like when I used to get ratings, when I worked in Orlando and I would know what the ratings were, I would say, okay, we're number five. We're going to be number four. And I really wasn't thinking about one through four. I was thinking, I'm going to be four because we were five and now I'm competing with that number, you know, <laughs> or we have this many people listening to the afternoon show. Okay, great. We're going to have more. And I would think about how to compete with myself. How do I become better at what I do, better at my craft? How do I become more present? How do I resonate more with the listeners so that they want to stay and, and hear the songs about God? How do I compete with myself? I'm just super competitive. So money was answer number one. What motivates me? Competing was number two. And then I said, what else? And I knew immediately that what motivates me in this life and this is the biggie, at that time in my life, at least this was the biggie, I want good to happen on the earth, but I don't want to receive credit. I want Jesus to get all the credit. And that's the third thing that I felt like God told me in the closet. I'll tell you what motivates you, Lisa, money, competing, and you like good things to happen, but you love it when Jesus gets all the praise. And I I went from fussing and crying and being really down like in a minute in that prayer time in my closet, I just flipped and I went, that 
feels like dynamite. The mixture of those three things feels like dynamite. And I thought, okay, what could I do that would com- combine money, competing, and doing good where Jesus gets all the credit? What could I do? And I decided <laughs> to create this thing where I asked people to pledge $1 per pound that I would lose up to 30 pounds and the money would go to what I landed on was Compassion International and a project they had to put a kitchen in a school where it was just this horrible kitchen and they needed funds to build a kitchen for these uh, children in India. (laughs) And so... (laughs) So then it was like, okay, money will come in. I will compete with myself to lose weight because every pound will be worth money and then good will happen. And so I created this mechanism online and I can't remember what I called it. It was something like my loss, their gain or something like that. I can't remember. But um, I got people to pledge and it got up to 193 people. So every time I lost a pound, I mean, like, it was crazy. I would step on the scale, and if I lost a pound, I would be, like, resonating with joy. Like, that's $193 right there. And so I was so motivated, and I lost 30 pounds. And that money went to good for Jesus' glory. And so it was money competing with myself. And if you were one of those 193, thank you for being part of helping me lose 30 pounds in 2010. (laughs) And so I come back to the question, what motivates you? I mean, it's not evil to say, hey, I'm motivated by that paycheck. It gets me up every morning. It's not evil, right, to be competitive and think, I want to have the number one business in this town because I just want to have the number one business in this town. It motivates me. I like to compete. It's very American, you know, to be competitive and It's certainly not a bad thing to want to do good and want Jesus to be glorified in the earth. But even from that, I take a step back and I just want to list out the things that might motivate you. It could be those things that we just talked about and also fear, a desire for fame, a desire for great riches, anxiety. Let me list some of the things that my friends put on Facebook today when I asked the question, what motivates you the most in this life? Michelle is motivated by a need to provide for her family because her husband is a wounded warrior. And after 15 years as a stay-at-home mom, she is motivated to take care of her family. Um, Someone else named Michelle said she's motivated by the desire to please people. She likes to see people smile, and she gets very hurt sometimes, but pleasing people motivates her. Um, Dawn said she wants to leave a legacy. She wants to finish well. That motivates her. Um, Daniel says he's motivated by the fear of failure and by his wife, Danielle. Shelly says she likes to see people smile. She's very motivated by people being happy and seeing that smile in their eyes. Erica says anxiety motivates her. Becca says her family, her children, wanting to provide for them. Dana says he lives for his children. And the list goes on and on, but several people um, like Mary and Nancy and Angie and Rhonda, you know, several people pointed to Jesus, like love motivates me, Jesus motivates me. And I believe that that is the obvious landing place answer, right? But I have some trouble taking that from my brain, like the traction of something gripping and moving me forward 
in my brain, in theory land, in thought processes, I can say love has to be the ultimate motivation. Ultimately, it's Jesus. It's my love for God and the power of the Holy Spirit and a desire to respond to the love of Jesus poured out. I'm going to live by love and Jesus is going to be my motivation. I do very well in articulating that. But in my heart, down in my soul, where the rubber meets the road, I have found, especially since going through um, the book Untangled and being friends with Carrie Scott, I found through um, working with a spiritual director and through 12 Steps that I have been very motivated by codependency, people-pleasing, and a sense of worthlessness. Though I could have said, I am completely motivated by Jesus and a love for his people, when you move those words away and you looked at my soul, there was some messiness there. There was wounds. There was some healing. Woo, needed some healing there in that soul right there, you know, when you looked at it. And that has been a rich experience for me to say, okay, I am motivated by making people happy. I want people to like me and I want to control situations. So I'm going to try to be perfect. Ugh. And I feel worthless, and that's why I do that, because I want to be liked, acknowledged, and seen, and so my invisible um, leanings, like I don't matter, have really motivated me, right? And, And I want to be healed because I want to be motivated by the love of God, because the love of God is not a theory it's not a thin line of thought. It is the depth of the ocean, the vibrancy of a rainbow, the top of a mountain standing in this wind. I mean, God is alive. God is vibrant. Jesus is God's representation on the earth, a living, breathing man who died and took all of our sins, not just as a hobby or because he didn't have anything better to do, because of love, he did all of that and then sent the Holy Spirit to be here to breathe the truth and the vibrancy and the life of Christ into us. God is real. God is real. He's alive. He loves you. He's not a line of thought or a theory. He's not a bumper sticker. You know, he's not a tweet. (laughs) he's God Almighty. Read Isaiah 51 out loud. I did that right before I started talking to you. I mean, he is God, right? He is God Almighty. He has a voice. He's speaking to you today. He loves you. He wants to fill you, heal you. He has a plan and a calling for your life. We're talking about the love of God when John says, God is love. So when we say we're motivated by love, we're motivated by God and the calling on our lives, right? And we have to be saturated in him for that calling to come out. And so just so much coming out of my heart. I I hope all this communicates and resonates. When I want to get down to a place in my soul where I am truly, there's traction, like my life moves forward because of love, that has to be more than just something I say. And so in this conversation I had the other day, when it was done, I walked away saying, what motivates that person? And then I said, what motivates me? Why do I do all the things that I do? Why do I forgive the ones I love? Why do I talk to my sons about Jesus? Why do I cook and clean and do laundry? Why do I make a podcast? Why do I do a radio show? Why do I want to spend time with my friends? Why do I pray for my mama? What motivates me? And if it's anything other than love, 
Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So I have to stop there and say, Lisa, you can do all of these things for God, but if you are not completely motivated by love, the love of God, the presence of God, the power of God, God himself love, you're like a clanging cymbal. I remember having a conversation with my friend Ryan Springer once, who's a program director of WBGL in Champaign, Illinois. And we were talking about programming because I used to be a talent coach there for a while and I loved every minute of it. (laughs) I love that station. I love the people there. But we were talking about programming and it was like, Ryan, right? If we... If we have the best jingles and we have the best voice and we have the most polished DJs and we're playing all the right songs that have been tested and are the right songs and it's always playing her favorite song and we do all of these things, but we're not motivated by love, our station is a clanging cymbal. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're number one and you're programmed perfectly. It just doesn't matter. And I remember him saying, this conversation is rocking my world. And then he spoke into his deep feelings about God because if it is not motivated by Jesus and a love for Jesus, it's nothing, right? Verse two, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, like I can prophesy and I understand the deep mysteries and I am really knowing a lot of stuff. And if I have faith and I can move mountains, but I do not have love. Listen to these next words. I am nothing. What the what? I'm nothing? Wait, mountains are moving because of the faith that I have. I'm opening my mouth and expounding mysteries about God or about programming or about my business prowess or about how to raise kids or whatever. I'm just so wise and I've got mysteries and knowledge and I can even prophesy. Like I hear from God and I speak these things, but it says, if I am not motivated by love, I'm nothing. Verse three, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I could boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. So I know there's some of us, we think, wow, we, we give so much to the poor and we like work so hard that our bodies even wear out because we are doing the ministry. We are doing the work. We are taking care of things. We are taking care of people. But if the motivation behind that is not love, you gain nothing. You just have no money and your body's worn out. You've gained nothing if you don't have love. Wowzer, right? All these verses. I just had that weird feeling that I get sometimes when I've been talking like this to you, where I think, I wonder if I will actually publish this podcast because there's an intensity that comes out of me. And I think sometimes you might think I'm a weirdo, but you know, here it is, right? Now, I have to tell you that my brain is kind of simple. And when I can't remember what I'm supposed to do in a situation, this is the verse. It's my touchstone verse that I come back to when I'm wondering what I'm supposed to do. If it's a parenting situation or a relationship issue um, with my husband, or it's something in a work-related event, or it's anything, I come back to this verse. It's one of my touchstones. Love is patient. Love is kind. And I just stop there. Like, I don't know what to do in this situation. It's way too complex for me, but I do remember this, God. If I'm patient and I'm kind, that's love's definition in the very beginning of the definition of love that comes out in this chapter. 
And so I'm just going to read all of it to you. Let it wash over you as we seek God together to be people who are motivated by love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's like it, right? That used to be cross-stitched on the wall in my living room. My sister Pam cross-stitched, uh, cross-stitched that for my mom once. You know, those words are iconic and those can be thoughts, nothing more. Good thoughts, sweet thoughts, something that we cross-stitch, right? But what does it mean when that is what motivates us? That's a picture of God, isn't it? And his nature, Um, who he is, and how he wants us to operate in this life, in his power, in his strength, in his purity, walking in love. It's a tall order. It will take constant readjustments forever, right? But I'm thankful for this conversation that I recently had because it gave me a moment to pause and to say, Lisa, what motivates you? And so just because I don't like to do things alone, I have to ask you the same question. What motivates you? And don't be afraid to be vulnerable and honest with yourself. When it all comes down, what is it that motivates you? And if you can't really answer that question, or you just feel a little antsy at me even asking you, you might consider seeing a Bible-based therapist and just digging a little deeper, maybe a spiritual director, someone who can help you to unpack God's word and pray Maybe it's a book by Brene Brown, right? Maybe it's a 12-step group. That has helped me so much to sit with other human beings and hear their stories and think about what motivates them, what motivates me. I mean, literally, sometimes while they're speaking, I'll think, that is so complex, but I see what drives them, and that drives me too. The human experience is not an island, right? And so maybe it's friendships. Maybe, oh, it's doing a Fab Five challenge that Lisa Kyle and Carrie Scott put together. Lisa came up with the Fab Five challenge based on Carrie's book, Untangled. You can find out how to do the Fab Five challenge um, at lifewithlisawilliams.com. Basically, it's just five weeks with five friends to look at five tangles, and maybe that will help you find the healing to answer the question, what motivates me? But we all know the answer, right? In the end, we've got to get to that place where not in theory and not as a nice concept and not as something we can talk about, write about, read a book about, tweet about, but in actuality, I want to be motivated by love. And that's way bigger than me, but that's what I want. I want to do this podcast because I love God and I love you. (laughs) I want to create a radio show every day because I have such a deep, love for God and for you and other people who will listen. And if that motivates me to get up in the morning and make breakfast for my kids and to hold them and tell them about the love of God and Jesus, not because I want to control them and not because I care about what they might say outside my house, none of that crazy, but because I love them so much that I want them to know about the Father, God, who loves them so, so much. You know, what motivates me to read my Bible? What motivates me 
You know what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I feel like I just exhausted all of the words for the day, getting that out of my soul. That has been cooking inside of me for days. Oh, I think it's so important. What motivates us to do what we're going to do next? You only have so many days on this planet, my friend. You've only been given the gift of one life and so many days on this planet. Don't be deceived. This is your time. This is your moment. This is your assignment to know Jesus, to know God, to know the power of the Holy Spirit, and to walk out God's calling for your individual life. The path to that is finding the healing that comes through Knowing Him and asking those tough questions and responding to the Holy Spirit and spending time in His Word, studying, digging deep. Come with me. I don't want to do this alone. (laughs) All right, that's all. (laughs) I got to go. It's like I've been talking forever. I love you. That's what motivates me to say. Hashtag thanks for listening.